Uh, good morning, Church by the Beach. We hope you guys are having a fantastic morning so far. Amen? Amen. Hasn't it been great being in the house of the Lord? Amen? Come on. Can we give Jesus Christ the best praise you possibly can give this morning? Yes. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. It's so awesome to see all of you guys. And uh, for those of you who are here, welcome. Those of you watching online, uh, we welcome you as well. And as well as those listening by radio this morning, what a great privilege it is for you and I to be able to be here in God's house. Just a couple quick things I would like to get into just before we get into our, um, our, our message here this morning. But starting this Wednesday, all right, we're gonna start a brand new study here for our Bible study and it's by um, uh, uh, Pastor Jimmy Evans. It's called Tipping Point, The End Is Here, okay? And we're gonna be really taking a look at a lot of end times discussion, a lot of end times um, uh, prophecies within scripture and, and doing a study on that. So I know that's, you know, a lot of interest for many of you. So we would invite you to come out, be a part of that. That's Wednesday nights at seven o'clock. And then listen, it's never too early to announce this one. All right. In two weeks, our next first Wednesday, which will be October the 7th, it'll probably still be another drive through. And let me help you out. If you plan on getting a meal, you better be in line early, okay? I mean, I'm, I'm not kidding you. Last, uh, last month, you know, I was here to hand out the meals and I was like, you know what? It's the first one from the break and it's not gonna be that many people. You know, I'll just, I'll just roll up there right at, you know, go time. And when I rolled up, there was a line around the turn circle going down the road, going down Maddox. And I was like, holy cow. <laughs> so anyway, we were sold out within like 25 minutes. Not sold out because it's free. Everybody say free. There you go. Nobody wants to turn down a free meal, okay? So come out, enjoy that. All right. Now, <clears throat> we have been involved. You have to excuse me. My, my voice is a little raspy. Let me tell you why my voice is raspy for a second. All right. You know I always got a story, right? Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Some of you are still asleep. It's time to wake up. All right. So my, my family and I, we went, we went camping this weekend. All right. We did. We had a great time. It was lovely. And then yesterday morning, my, uh, my little guy, Caden, had a soccer game at 10 o'clock in Pocomo, which is about 30 minutes from here. For those of you watching us, you may not understand that geographic deal. But anyway, so it's about 30 minutes and we, we needed to get, you know, travel about 35 minutes to get back home, to get ready, to go back out. And so, you know, I'm out there, I'm putting, you know, getting, getting everything situated, getting everything put away. And I have a good friend. I'm not going to mention his name, but he was with us. And, and he was at another site, you know, right, right beside me, right beside me. And, and so, you know, I'm out there, it's pouring down like a monsoon. You know what I'm talking about? Like it was pouring the rain where we were and I'm putting everything away. And, and you, you ever seen that person? He's just sitting there, he's got his cup of coffee while he's underneath an awning and I'm getting soaked. And he's like, pastor, you need some help? No, no, I got it. No, don't worry. You just stay dry. You just stay dry. And uh, anyway, I think that's why I might have a little raspy voice. So we can blame him. He's sitting right over there. Okay, so anyway, we are going to get into this message called One. Everybody say one. one. Okay, now we have not been in a traditional message series, and, and I'll explain why. Um, just because I didn't want to. I don't think God was directing us that way, okay? And uh, I really just had a lot of uh, different messages that I just wanted to bring your way. 
And, and um, so we're just, I'm really calling this like a random series. All right. I guess I just put a name to it actually, but every, anything, it's just random messages that I feel that like God just kind of drops in me, lays on my heart. And then we just talk about it for a few minutes. So this one's called one. Now think about this for a second in any type of body. Okay. If there is one part not working in sync or in line or within its unity, it throws off the effectiveness of that body. Are you following me on that? You know, th this, this goes within any type of organization, within any, any home, within your relationships, marriages even, and even within the church. Now, we have all heard this saying before, okay? Um, Age-long saying is this, one bad apple can spoil the bunch. Am I right on that? Right? Yeah. One bad apple can spoil the bunch. Here's my thinking. Like if I go into the refrigerator and I hit the, you know, the, the, the veggie drawer, you know, what I'm talking about that's like on the bottom that everybody forgets about, you know, and, and you pull it open because, you know, we're supposed to eat healthy, so we shouldn't forget about it. So you pull it open and you see an apple in there and you got a bag of apples, but you got one apple and it's it's rotten. And here's my mentality. Throw it all out. Let's get rid of it all. I don't want none of it because it's contaminated and all of this stuff. And the same thing can kind of happen with us. We can become contaminated within our lives of the individuals that we are surrounding ourselves with. Do you realize that? You do. You become who your friendships are. You've heard me say that many times. You've heard others say that. You become them. It rubs off on you. So we need to be extra careful on the things that we are surrounding ourselves or the people we're surrounding ourselves or the material that we are allowing to come into our lives and in, in, through our ears, through our eyes, uh, through different relationships, whatever it may be. We need to be very careful about that. Let's take a look in scripture. Ephesians <clears throat> chapter four, verses three through six. It says this, make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. Now, here's what we're going to do. We're about to look at seven different things here. So watch this, seven of them. If you want, highlight them, write these down. They're, they're great. There's seven different ones here. Okay, so pay close attention. There is what? One body, one spirit, just as you were called to what? One hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith. One baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and what? In all. Now, listen, we can look at the landscape of our great country, America, that we live in right now, and we see a lot of distinctive groups that are forming or have been formed for either centuries or as of yesterday even. And, and we can actually look at them and as a body of Christ, we ourselves can become greatly distracted within our minds. And, and we can drift away from the ones that we've just read about. It's very easy to do. When you look at everything that's surrounding us right now within the different news outlets and, and the different social media and your conversations with just one another, it's very easy to become distracted away from the things of God. It's easy to come distracted from what? The one God, the one spirit, the, our, our one hope, our one faith, our one Lord. Because we see so much um, noise within our lives that's trying to speak and to gain our attention. Now, Jesus was out doing some ministry. 
And he was looking to bring unity even within his close circle. You know, he had uh, he has this vision and and uh, to be honest, it was even about his own team, his own, the, the 12 that were with him. Let's take a look in the scripture. Matthew chapter 12, verse 25. It says this. Jesus knew. Could we just stop there for a second? Jesus knew. Let that, let that ring in your mind, in your ear, in your spirit right now. Let that resonate for a moment. Because what does Jesus know? Jesus knows everything. Right. Ain't nothing you haven't thought that he didn't know that you thought. Have you ever had that? Oh, I can't believe I, I hope the Lord didn't hear that. Mm. Mm. Let me help you out. He did. <laughs> and he saw it more visibly than you did. He, what? Jesus knew. Jesus knows what's going on in your life right now. He knows the ill manner you have. He, he knows the, the reproach you have. He knows the anger, the resentment, the jealousy that you even have toward one another or towards somebody within your family, your friendships, your church. He knows how you're looking at these different movements and political groups that are happening all around us. But it says this, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom, what? Divided against itself will be ruined. And every city or household divided against itself will not stand. So in the last prayer that Jesus had the night before he went to the cross, He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. And he's not praying necessarily for all the problems in the world in that moment. His focus is on bringing unity and especially unity within the church. Let's take a look in, in this passage in John chapter 17, looking at verses 20 through 24. It says, my prayer is not for them alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. What is that? What, what, stop there for a moment. He says this, I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message. Whose message? The church's message. And who's he, who, 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 who's the audience there that he's talking about? He's talking about the people who are not followers of Christ up to this point. Even within your own life, he's talking about those who aren't followers of Christ, even those who have not accepted that good news message, the gospel message of, of Jesus. It goes on to say that all of them may be one. Father, just as you are in me, I am in you. May they also be in us. In other words, if they see the church, when they see the church come together, right? So that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me. In other words, this is the anointing, anointing on your house, anointing on you, anointing on, on your spouse, the anointing that's placed upon your children. That they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. So let me ask you this question. What would it take to bring complete unity? What would it take in your home to bring complete unity? How about this, among the racial divides that we have right now, to bring complete unity? Within our government, to bring complete unity. Within our own communities, to bring complete unity. Well, a lot of things we, would, we understand would have to be done. 
So what we're going to do here for the next few moments is we're going to unpack the following so that we can learn what will bring us together and to be able to recognize the root of the issue, the condition, and then the overall hope. Okay. so the first thing we're going to look at this is this. We have one enemy. Do you understand that? You have one enemy, and it's not the person that you're mad at. It's not the person that you're jealous over or jealous with or is jealous of you. It's not a political party or a president or a presidential candidate. Shocking. It's not a movement of any sort. We have one single enemy, and it's simple. And, and, and it can't be any plainer. And can I, can I tell you this? I'm sick and tired of him. I really am. I am absolutely tired of the enemy coming in and splitting up homes, splitting churches, splitting up communities, splitting up relationships and friendships. Do you realize the enemy, the problem that we have is not with one another, but with the enemy himself? Watch this. John chapter 10, verse 10 says it this way. The thief only comes to what? To steal and to kill and to destroy. Do you understand that? The enemy that we all have, and he, it is in common, is there to what? To steal, to kill, and to destroy. What is he trying to steal, kill, and destroy? Everything. Absolutely everything. He wants to take your joy, your hope. He wants to take your happiness, your relationships, your marriage. He wants to take your job. He wants to take your financial uh, whatever. <laughs> He's looking to take it away from you. We do know this. He's the father of all lies. He is a master manipulator. Watch this. John chapter eight, verse 44 says he was a what? Murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. Can I stop there? Whose voice are you listening to? Literally right now, whose voice are you allowing to be influential within your life? Are you listening to God's voice? Are you allowing the word of God to be a part of your daily walk? Are you spending time and meditating on this scripture and meditating within prayer and spending time in prayer and commune with your father? Do you know there's times when I can tell when my boys really want to talk to me or they just want something from me? And there's times when they're coming at me and, and I know what it is. I know they want, they want Fortnite, dollar, whatever the V-Bucks things or Roblox. Those of you who don't know all about that, educate yourself, all right? And I know when that conversation is coming and guess what I do? I'm like, I'm hearing you, but I ain't paying a whole, whole lot of attention to you. But you know what, when they come to me and I see that there's a tear in their eye, that there's a sincerity within their heart, my attention completely goes right into that moment. Yeah. Why? Because I wanna speak into their life and give them the direction that they need. And I want them to hear that voice. God is speaking to us. He is speaking to you and his voice is the voice of truth. 
His voice is the one that will give you the guidance that you need. The Holy Spirit is there, what? To communicate to us the voice of God, the message of Christ. The word of God is here to communicate to us. But we do know this, the language of the enemy is lies. And it's his native language. It says, for, the, for he is what? A liar and the father of lies. Listen, we have the tendency to get mad, hurt, and upset by. You know, you said this, or you did that, or they didn't include me. Are you, are you listening here? And we can, get, we can allow these, these, these feelings, these emotions to dwell up inside of us. Let me help you out. We have one enemy. Watch this. Ephesians chapter six, verse 12. I love this. He says this. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against what? The rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil within the heavenly realms. There's an unseen realm that is very much active and it's active within your own life. And nothing pleases this realm more than about bringing some type of division. Can I ask this? I'm going to ask this question. Who in the world is tired of division? Who would much rather have unity? Unification. Yes. We will never be able to truly reconcile until we are able to bind the one who is in authority of the disunity within the first place. Do you know our weapons are not the weapons of this world, but our weapons pull down spiritual strongholds? Ephesians chapter six, verses 10 through 18, it reads this way. Finally, don't you love that? Finally, <laughs> right, here we go. What, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. That's all the weapon we actually really need right there alone. Yeah. It says put on the full. You know the word full really is representing the entire, not bits and pieces of it. It says but put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes and listen, we are here. We are in those times, in these days of evil. You may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. And pray in the spirit in all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. And with this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So this, this unity that we are experiencing within our culture and the world that we're living in and that you're experiencing even within some relationships is, is a disunity that is doing everything it can to infiltrate into the body of Christ. 
And as the word of God says, you and I, we must take a stand in it. And it must be a firm stand. Not one that is shaky, not one that has doubt, but one that is firm. The enemy that we have is not a group or movement. It, again, it is not a political party. It is not political leaders. We are lashing out at the wrong enemy. The enemy that we are facing is within the heavenly realms. We cannot see this if we are not focused on being united. Um, James chapter five, verse 16 says this. I love this. It says, the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Now, I, I want to read this. I got this little, little section here from an article, and, and I want to read it to you. It says, righteousness is the perfect holiness of Christ. It is an essential attribute to the character of God, quite literally meaning one who is right. Think of it as the polar opposite of sin. To commit sin is to go against God's design for our lives. Therefore, righteousness is the only living standard that is acceptable for us to stand before the Father. Proverbs 12 and 28 reads this way, and I don't have that for you, so my apologies. It says, the wages of sin is death, but in the path of righteousness is what? Life. And in its pathway, there is no death. So righteousness is living, righteous living has nothing to do with the behavioral modification but rather a heart transformation. Do you understand that? It's not what we're doing on the outside. Have you ever heard, heard the phrase, fake it until you make it? <laughs> ever heard that? You've probably done that a time or two within, in life. Yes. Let's just fake it until we make it. Let, oh, time out, let me help you out here. Let's stop faking it when it comes to Christ. I say, Lord, I need this inward transformation within my life because then the outward changes and I begin to live what? That righteous lifestyle. In that um, scripture in James, the King James Version actually translates it this way, the effectual fervent prayers. And fervent really means displaying a passion. What does that mean? I'm passionately praying. You know, I'm coming before the Lord with, with some emotion and, and with a sense of urgency. And, and God, this is important right here. Lord, I need you right in this moment. Second um, Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14 says it this way. If my people who are called by my name will what? Humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then... What does it say? Then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. But just keep it there. Keep it there for a second. Because we, we, we often get this wrong because it says who are called by my name will do something first. Will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Then I will get involved. Are you following me here? We need to take a look and, and, and you know what, Lord, you know what, if my, if, if my attitude and, and, and if I've labeled my enemy as my brother and sister in Christ or a movement or a political leader of some sort, Lord, forgive me because I'm going about this the entire, the, the, the wrong way. All right, so we understand this, we have one enemy. Number two, we have one heart. 
Now, we don't have to look alike, right? But we must have one heart. Andrew and I, we are drastically different. Thank goodness. Opposites attract, right? I talk, she just smiles. Look, she's smiling now. I talk, she smiles. She spins, I save. You like that? Yeah, yeah. Hold on, what did I say? I need to humble myself, pray and seek, and then he's gonna forgive me. Right? But what do we do have? We, we, as, a, as a home, as a marriage, we have one heart. Why? Because the two became one. We love, we value the same things. But unity is not uniformity. We still don't have to be alike, but we must love alike within our home. Acts chapter 4, verse 32 says, all the believers were in one heart and mind. The greatest church of all time was the early church. Do you understand that? I love it. I love reading through the book of Acts and seeing the great difference they made in the hearts of people who were not believers. But they lived the example of who Christ is and who Christ was all about. And because of that, the Bible says more and more people were added to the body of Christ. What? Not monthly, not yearly, but daily. Are we showing that type of love? Well, there's three things that the early church was good at and that we need to do. Here's one of them. We need to listen and learn. We are so fast at giving our points and our opinions that we often forget to take time and just give attention and listen. When we take the time to hear out and to understand that we do have one enemy, it will bring us to develop one heart. We need to have compassion. And when we do this, compassion and understanding will arise. James 1 and 19 says, my dear brothers and sisters, take note of this. Everyone should be what? Quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to become angry, right? There's a lot of fast talking right now. Speaking fast backs us into positions, into sides, and into corners. We live right now in a society that wants instant feedback. But let me bring this to your attention. You can never take back the words you, you speak. Do you realize that? You can never take them back. You can say, oh, yeah, I take that back. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Yeah. You cannot take back your words. Your attitude that was displayed, guess what? It, you displayed it. You cannot take it back. It will not be forgotten. So what, how can we correct this moving forward in our lives? We need to sit down. We need to slow down. We need to stop. We need to learn. Learning is here in our mind, but that's not enough. We also need to feel. We need to lament. What is that, lamenting? It's a passionate expression of grief or sorrow. Sometimes people don't need you to say anything at all. Do you realize that? They're not looking for an answer from you. They just want you to understand what's going on in their lives. They want you to feel what it is they are struggling with or what they are going through. They simply want you to be there. Yeah. Yep. You know, as a pastor, I, I have a lot of conversations with people. And a lot of them are, are, aren't, they're, they're, they're not exciting. 
I'll just be honest. They're not exciting. They're, they're, I don't walk away going, wow, that was great. <laughs> I go, oh, Lord. <laughs> Rub my head here. Oh, Lord, we need you now. You know, that type of deal. And I, I've sat in in those moments and I've had conversations with people and, and I've looked at them and go, I'm sorry, I don't have a word to say. I, I don't know what to say right now to you. And you know what? The majority of the time they look at me and go, I wasn't expecting you to say anything. I just need you to sit there and listen. And to feel the pain that I'm going through and the hurt that I'm going through. Our role isn't to craft the right statement or have all the answers, but rather to have an understanding and a simple compassion. Galatians chapter six, verse two says this, to share each other's burdens. And in this way, obey the law of Christ. To share in each other's burdens. That's not meaning that when they're giving you your burden that you're gonna rebuttal it with them and tell them how wrong they are. Share in that moment with them. Let them, share your own story with them. Let them know, let them know that you are there for them. You wanna see unity come. Lament, pray. And then thirdly, here's what we need to do. We need to love. Trust. Allow forgiveness. Allow for some repentance and some for healing and some for protection. That's what love is. Love isn't holding a grudge. Love is letting it go. Let, let it go. I'm not even going there. No, I ain't going there. But think about that for a moment. We are holding on to so much strife that can I, can I help you out? It's, it's getting between you and God. It really is. It's getting between you and God. Nobody wins here. You might think you won the argument, but you hurt the relationship. You might think you won the point, but the outcome may never be the same. We need to learn to love. First Corinthians gives us a great definition of love. In first Corinthians 13 and seven, it says it this way. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes. And it always perseveres. So we know this, we have one enemy, we have one heart, and the last one is this, we have one purpose. We all have a purpose. We know what this purpose is in our lives and what is that purpose? To spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. How can you do that if you can't lament? How can you do that if you can't show love? How can you do that if we continually to be on, um, an ununified church or not unified within our relationships. We simply can't. We are called to make a difference to all people by giving them the gospel message. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says it this way. For we, can I just say you, okay? Are what? God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. 
You know, some of you right now, you would, you would, uh, we've all done this before one time or another. Oh, I, I, I couldn't say nothing bad about their child. They're my friends. I, I, I don't, I don't want to treat anyone differently that way. Or, or I can't say that about their spouse. They're, they're, they're my friends, but here's what we'll do. Why can't we treat God the same way? God's children the same way. I'm not gonna say nothing bad about them. Why? Because they're God's children, just like you are. Do you realize when you mess with God's children, you mess with who? God? Do you realize it breaks his heart? You're not winning an argument with him. You're not impressing him. All you're doing is spreading division. All you're doing is spreading distance from what God could do and wants to do within your life. I believe we will be better than ever before because we will be all about spreading the gospel message, which is the greatest value of anything that you could ever give someone. And we must follow the purpose of the church. Isaiah chapter 40, verses four through five says this way, every valley shall be exalted and every mountain and hill brought low. The crooked places shall be made straight and the rough places smooth. The glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it, shall see it what? Together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So we have one enemy. We have one heart that we need to learn to lament and to love in. And we have one purpose. Divided, we are defeated, but united, we are victorious. Will you stand with me this morning? Do you know that God responds to the humble, to the contrite, to the broken? And maybe you're here today and, and, and maybe this is all brand new to you. Maybe you've never um, had a moment where you've accepted Christ in your life. You know that what that gospel message is? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in me, what? In him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Do you know what we need to do right now? We need to recognize that we're sinners. Before you can ever realize you need a savior, you first need to realize that you are a sinner. And that there's a debt that we cannot pay. But Jesus stepped in place for you and I, said, I will pay that debt. And the only thing that we have to do you say, Lord, I accept you as my Lord and my Savior. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Maybe you're here and you've not made that commitment. Today is a day that can change. Or you're watching us online or hearing us on the radio. My hope is that you will declare that he is God and that you will surrender your life to him, giving him lordship of your life. And if that is you today, make this commitment. It will change your life forever. Let's pray this prayer together as a church. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for dying on the cross and paying for my sin. I ask you to forgive me and to save me. I declare that you are God and you are Lord. I believe that you died, that you were buried, and that you rose again. 
Today I put my faith in you. And thank you for setting me free. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Can we give the Lord a hand clap of praise for that this morning? Amen. But listen, we've heard a message of what God wants of us, what he expects of us. Far too many grudges, far too many attitudes, far too much division within the political realm, even within the, <laughs> our own local communities. This is doing nothing but causing more hatred, more uncomfortable feelings, more division. God wants to bring unity. God wants that. He longs for his church to be unified. Why? Because then when we are unified, we are far more powerful, far more than what we ever would be divided. So I don't know what you're going through in life. I don't, I don't know if you're holding some resentment, if you're holding some anger, it's time to give it over to God. And it's okay to go, Lord, I'm not feeling it. That is okay. Do you realize that? But then it needs to be followed up. Lord, help me to feel it. Show me where I'm wrong. I don't want condemnation. I want conviction. Change me from the inside out. I want to pray with you this morning. Father, I thank you for every individual that's here. Lord, I thank you for your message. I thank you, God, for the, for the relationships that have started today all throughout all the churches of this world. Those relationships, those salvation that started today, God, we're so appreciative and, and we, we just, we celebrate that with you right now. But God, we also come before you and we realize, Lord, we're human. We have mistakes, we have emotions that fail us very often. And God, if we are holding resentment, if we're holding jealousy and grudges, if we're, whatever it may be, Father, Lord, that we're holding on to, God, show us where we need to let it go. Allow you, Father, to get involved and to get engaged with us. God, bring conviction and not condemnation. We don't wanna run from you, God, but we wanna run closer to you. Why? All for one purpose, so that we can be unified in you to fulfill that great commission and spreading the gospel message. Help us to do it effectively each and every day. And so Father, in all of this, we glorify you, we worship you, and we praise you. And as the psalmist said, let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church says, amen, amen. We love you guys. Have a great day.